Wow, lay down your burdens. Lay them down. Three years ago, we were, we were in Jerusalem. We were living in Jerusalem, and um, so we had moved there from Jordan because there was this amazing thing happening in Jordan, quite a movement going on there, and we figured, well, they don't need us here then, so we'll go somewhere else to where there's nothing happening. So we moved over into Jerusalem, and Don and I, and so we're in a new city, and we figure, well, it's a new city. We might as well do something new, different than what we've done before, because um, God seems to treat different people differently. You know, he doesn't, Jesus doesn't walk around with one sort of speech that he gives, you know, sort of like we would do. Like, just tell me the formula of what to say, and I'll say it to everyone, and can't figure out why that not effective. So, um, so Jesus seems to like come up with new stuff all the time. It's troubling. It's a hassle, but he does. Thinking involved in all this. So, um, so we move over there, and Donna suggests because she's the one that suggests things in our relationship, and she says, "Why don't we ask? Why don't we just not? Let's just not have a plan." I like that. I love that. Yeah, that was good. And, I, and she said, let's just spend some time fasting and praying and then see what God says to do as we begin this thing in Jerusalem and over into the West Bank. So we did that. We, we prayed and, and we fasted about it. And then we would write down kind of what we sensed from the Lord. So, so she senses from the Lord that she, because she's Jewish and from a Jewish background, that she should get back in and you know, relearn Hebrew and get back into that. And so she said, I think the Lord's asking me to go back, because she grew up in Hebrew school, go back and learn the language, you know, really get the language. And I said, that's interesting. And she said, what did, what did you come up with? And I said, I, you know, I wrote it down, uh, pick up trash. Seriously, that's what I wrote down, pick up trash. Like, would God say that? Like, there's always a question, how do I know this is from God? Is God against trash? Well, he actually is. So, you know, he's anti-litter. So I thought, it wasn't as, it wasn't, didn't seem as important as, you know, go master the language, but anyway, so you, you don't have to understand everything to obey it. So every day, we would get up, and I would walk with Donna over to where she studied Hebrew, and I would leave her, and I would pick up trash all day long. That's what I did. And so I started right around the building we lived in, this, in this area where we lived in Jerusalem. And, um, and it was funny how it affected our neighbors. We lived in an apartment building, where, and we were on the bottom floor. So people at the upper floors that weren't into, didn't care where their trash went. It all went down in our floor apartment. And so I would pick up all this trash, and I, I, I had bags of it, you know, and picking up was not the culture where we, where we were living to pick up trash. And so my neighbors, though, I, it, it affected them. And one day I came back to, our, to this little gate where we lived, and someone had taken the time <laughs> to drill into the masonry a holder, and they hung a broom for me. <laughs> Isn't that nice? That was so, I thought, this is a people movement underway right here. Here we go. Here we go. So they, you know. Anyway, so that's, that's how we began in Jerusalem. And it, and it turned in, I mean, you know, it actually turned into this incredible thing. I wish I had a, a lot of time to tell you how that worked out. But it was, when you're walking around picking up trash, you pay attention. You learn a lot of people, and people are like, you know, you obviously, they would look at me and they go, you're obviously not from here. So you, did you move here to pick up trash? Is that why you're here? <laughs> anyway. So that was some interesting, ex it's hard to get for, to the gospel from that beginning. You know, like, well, no, God. You know, then they're already like, oh, we don't get that. <laughs> so, so I met all these fascinating people, and then people actually started to come to faith. And, and, and so, Don, that's how, that's how teams work, you know, and married couples work because we're co-laborers and different strengths and... And so we, we just started working this way, and it just did, came back into this beautiful, amazing stuff that happened, who Donna met, who I met, and it just came together into this amazing kind of wave that started. So, so in that time we lived there, so one Easter we thought, let's go to the Easter service at the, you know, at the empty tomb. 
in the garden. You got, we got to do that. So we went to, so we, it was really beautiful. We stayed up that night. You know, we went through the whole weekend, Friday, like today, and, you know, thinking about Christ and the trial, and you can walk around and the death and all of this. And then went to the empty tomb on Sunday morning, which was, you know, about 5,000 people there with TV cameras and a band in front of the tomb. <laughs> it was weird. It was like, and so we're, it's hard to be reverent, you know, and they had, this had this big broadcast thing and you had to have tickets and wait in line and we finally get in there and I get into the seat and sit down and you're trying to be meditative and this woman sitting next to me I I said you know hey how are you and she's an American I'm fine and I said are you having a good time yeah how long have you been here I've been here a week you know for the holy week and I said what do you think I mean is it how's it going and she said well it's kind of it's impressive except there's some people here I just don't like so this is waiting for the Easter joyous celebration to begin. And, she, and I said, really? And she goes, yeah, I, I mean, I like, I just don't I, don't, I don't like Arabs. And I said, you know, that's seven million people here, right? You get that. That's not like a group over there. Like, they've been here a long time. And, um, and she goes, yeah, I know, but I just don't like them. And I said, who, who do you think that empty tomb is for? Like, who do you think that is for? A select group of people? And she got mad at me. And she went, you have a a problem. (laughs) I've been picking up trash here for a year. I I don't have a problem. (laughs) She was offended (laughs) that I said the resurrection was for everyone. Here's what's sad. A lot of us think that down here. If we would ever tell the truth. Resurrection's for my people, not your people. So, Wednesday we're talking about the whole thing about the king coming. The good news of the gospel is that the king has come. The kingdom has come. That's what it is. What's so great about the gospel? The king has come. The way is open. The veil has been torn. You now have direct access to God himself through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And as Paul says, do you not know that you are the temple of God now? Do you not understand that? Because you sure don't act like it. You sure don't live like it. That's what happened. That's what happened there. And so... It doesn't matter that you're in the same location where it might have happened. Like, what's special about that? And it depends if it, yeah, this is where it happened if you're a Protestant. (laughs) The Catholic thing happened over in that place over there. It's like it's confusing. It's not even the place. We don't know where it is, but I'm going there to feel special about the resurrection that just happened for my people. Like, wow. So when you look back, when you're looking in the Gospels, you know, and I, I said Wednesday, I just love the, I love the disciples. I, I just so respect these men and the women. Donna was talking about Mary Magdalene, this group that traveled around financing Jesus. The women, that was, I love this testimony. The women were financing what was going on, these redeemed women. And um, the men were picking up trash, I think is what they were doing. I don't know what they were doing, but they weren't financing anything, that's for sure. They're like, where's the food? You know, that's how the disciples were. Do we bring food on this trip? Like, and Jesus is like, really? How long is this going to go on? You know, kind of thing. And so, and so then, you know, the whole thing falls apart. Like we talked about on Wednesday. And, you know, they run and it's a disaster and it's confusing. And then the, the resurrection occurs. And... I like how when we read this stuff, we're like, oh, I would have got that. I would have understood what was happening. Yeah, I would have. I would have gone to the tomb and gone, yep, mm-hmm, I get it. Mm-hmm, there's a hypostatic union. Yeah, this is it. This is what happened. I know all about this Trinitarianism. I got it. It's like we think we would have got it. Like when they killed the Messiah, like they've killed every single Messiah that came before Jesus, and the way they know that they weren't Messiahs was they died. That's how you know. It, when I'm down at the Wailing Wall talking to Orthodox Jewish guys, and they say to me, it's not that Jesus was a false Messiah. He was a failed Messiah. He didn't come and set up the kingdom. 
He didn't liberate Israel from Roman occupation. He just died. He just failed. He didn't fail. He didn't do it the way we expect things to be done. That's what troubles us with Jesus. Today, it's, it bothers us what the things he said. And so, imagine these disciples. So this all happens, you know, and then you're reading in John, the beloved. John, that guy, <laughs> him, is giving the account of what happened, you know. And so... You know, and it's, of course he says, you know, he says in John 20, it's so interesting to me. Um, it says that they looked into the tomb um, and that, that John figured, knew what happened. Like he says that he knew because they were trying to figure out what had happened. And so, so then, and of course, Mary's there and all of that occurs. And then and imagine you're in this chaos of a situation and the, Mary is saying, no, he's, he's risen. And they're like, wow, really? And they're trying to figure this thing out. And, and then, so he's risen. They go and look at the tomb. It's empty. John says he kind of gets it. And so think now, what are we going to do? He was crucified. He died. He's not there. So what are we going to do? Here's what they do in chapter 20. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, which is an echo back to creation, because what's happening is the creation is being renewed. Just like in Genesis, on the first day of the week. And the beginning of John is in the beginning was the word, just like Genesis. It's the recreation story. Only this time Jesus wins. He redeems it. The whole creation. So what do the disciples do? They have their first, first church service. Here's what it looks like. On the evening of that day, they being locked in a room, church service. Um, why? So no one else can get in. We locked, we, they were locked where the disciples, locked in a room. It says the doors were shut. It's the same idea as the heavens being shut. Like, we are not... They're the only ones that know what happened. What are you going to do with that news? We're locking ourselves in a room, and we're not telling anybody. That's our strategy. <laughs> Why? Because we're afraid. Like, we still have that same strategy today. What do you do in church? We lock ourselves in there. We don't want anyone else coming in here. Because we're afraid of who? The people that killed Jesus. He's alive. Well, that's debatable at this point. We got some sketchy stuff from the women, you know, like that. We, we haven't verified it yet. Except the beloved says he gets it. But, you know, what do you expect him to say? Of course. So the women in John get it. That's not enough for us. So we're locked in a room. Like, what's the point of this? You know, to get here so we can be safe from the world? So they're locked in a room. Their fear is their God. Even though Jesus has risen, they don't quite. So what does Jesus do? I love this. Jesus walks into the room through the door. You know, that's just, I don't know if he really had to do that, but if I could do that, I would do that too. I would. <laughs> Like, watch this. And, uh, but he's demonstrating, you know, the resurrected body. And he walks into it. But I think more than that, what he's doing is walking inside of their fear. He's stepping into their fear. He doesn't, Jesus never stands outside of your fear going, get over here. He doesn't. He comes inside of your fear and walks you out of it. That's what he does. That's what the Messiah does. He came into our fear in this world. And he's walking us out of it into the kingdom of God. Now, not when you're dead. Now. Boy, I can't wait to be brave when I'm dead. Like, what? <laughs> One day I'm going to be so brave because I'm going to be dead. Wow, okay. 
That's a brilliant chant. I'm going to tell other people that this is possible. I don't think you're going to start a people movement with that. <laughs> he walks inside of their fear, and he's, he demonstrates to them who he is. God demonstrated his love to us, and he loved us first. We love him because he first loved us, down into our fear, down into our chaos. And he demonstrates that love to us in that while we were yet sinners, he died for us, down into our fear, demonstrates his love to us through the death and resurrection, and says, follow me out of death and fear. Come with me. So he walks into the room. I love this. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, don't be afraid. Why are all of our decisions made based on fear? Here's the number one thing Jesus is saying to them. Do not be afraid. Peace. Peace. Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. I love it. Look, how do you, how do you know I'm risen? Look! I dare anyone... I mean, that's, that's, what, that's the point of what I want to say tonight. I dare anyone to say to God, I, I want to know. I'm afraid. This is what confession and repentance is all about. Telling the truth. I am afraid. I don't believe you because I am afraid and I, that you weren't here and you didn't show up here. And just like her testimony, it's all terrible and it's all awful. And yet when she needs it, he shows up. When she cries out and tells the truth, I hate this. I'm ashamed of what's going on. He shows up. He always shows up in truth. Always speak truth, confession. Repentance is him coming and showing you the truth. You are forgiven. You are valuable. You are, you are amazing. I don't hold this against you. I died for this. Don't try and pay for it yourself. You will die in it. Judas. That's Judas. I'm wrong. I get that I'm wrong. I'm going to go confess to someone that doesn't, can't help me and mocks me. My religion. So Jesus is like, look, look. Here I am. Then the disciples were glad. I like that. Yay! He's here. <laughs> this, uh, they were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, don't be afraid. It's not be glad. Don't be afraid. Those are different. Gladness kind of... Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. We could talk hours about what that statement means. You're, we're supposed to go into the world as Jesus went. That doesn't just mean we're supposed to act like him, like he's charitable. He went in in complete unity with the living God. That's what he's saying to him. You can go out into the... Here's why you don't need to be afraid. It's not because, don't be afraid abstractly in your head. We can't do that. Here's why you shouldn't be afraid. Because you can now walk out into the world with the same fearlessness that I did, just like I did, because I was in perfect unity with God, moved by the Spirit. I knew exactly what God was doing. I knew when to talk, when not to talk. I knew when to stay and when to leave. I knew it all because I would only do what I see the Father doing. And I would only say his words. And when I did that, I was invincible. And when he said, lay it down, I did. And he raised me up again. You go like that. You have no need to be afraid. We do not believe that. But what if we did? What if confession was saying, I don't believe that, but I would love to believe that. Please, Lord, show that to me. I want to understand that. Demonstrate that to me in my life. He will. He does. Even as the Father sent me, even so I'm sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Spirit, which is the energizer, the power connection to God himself there it is and it's going to be more fully seen in Acts which is coming and they they do it these guys these men and women they do what he says a little later receive the Holy Spirit what's the message well, how do we go out here's what he says here's the message 
If you forgive, this is the message. The message is and always will be forgiveness. Not vengeance. Not make me in charge. Not kill all my enemies. This is what the Jews were waiting for to happen. Wrong king. That's what human kings do. Kill my enemies. That's my job. So you can feel safe. You're never safe in that world. Because the enemies never die all the way. They keep coming back. Forgive the sins. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld from them, which is a crime. Don't you dare withhold forgiveness from anybody. Did God withhold forgiveness from you, his enemy? You, Paul says, were enemies of God. You weren't like, well, he kind of doesn't get God. You were an enemy of God. Enemy. And God forgave you. And it's wide open to you. Here's what you have to do. Take it. Step into it. It's up to you. That's a, it, that, and this is what occurs in the room. And, but I love because these are human beings here. So Jesus shows up at the, in the room. He walked through the wall. Like showed us his, He showed us his hands and his sides. He, he told us we got to go out and forgive people in the same power and authority that he did it. And, and then it says, now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. Oh, uh, here we go. Here we go. Back to humanity. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. This is how powerful their testimony was. But he said to them, he's been with these guys for three years. He's like, I don't believe you guys. Unless I see his hands in the mark of the nails and place my finger in the mark of the nails and place my hand in his side, I will never believe. Peter, I don't care what you say. John, I definitely don't care what you say. I don't care what any of you say. I don't, I'm, you're not going to preach me into believing this stuff. You are not going to argue me in. You're not going to give me a presentation of apologetics to prove that you saw Jesus. I'm not doing it till I experience him myself. What do you think God says to people like that? Here I come. That's what he says. Well, I'm not showing up to you. He comes. Because he knows the heart of Thomas. Thomas is like, I, I'm not going to believe because you said it. I want to meet him myself. Oh, that's the way to do it. I'm, I'm telling you tonight, that is the way to do it. Who cares what I say? So they have this, I will never believe unless I see him myself. Here's the impact the appearance of Jesus had on the other guys. This is why Thomas had a hard time believing him. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again. And Thomas was with them. And the doors were locked. <laughs> How long did the men's retreat impact them? Eight days. They're back locked in the room. Wow. Holy cow. Who came to your retreat? Who was the speaker? The risen Jesus. Eight days. You're locked back in a room. Wow. Wow. Get someone. Get a good speaker next time. Wow. Although the doors were locked, <laughs> Jesus came and stood. Here we go. Here we go again. <laughs> he walks in. What is the first thing he says? Stop being afraid. How did you know we're afraid? You lock the doors. <laughs> you're the only people that know what's happened in all of history. And here's what you're doing with the message. You're locking people out of it. I don't like the Arabs. They don't like the Jews. They are Jews, and they don't like them. They're afraid of them. Don't be afraid. Then he said to Thomas, I love this. Thomas, come over here. Go ahead. Here we go. 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 I'm demonstrating that I love you. Here, do it. And he does. Put your finger here. See my hands. Put your hand. Place it in my side. He's not disparaging Thomas for wanting that. There's nothing wrong with that. That seems smart to me. I would ask that. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God, boom, he's down in worship. You are the king. You are it. You're the one. You're the one we've been waiting for since the beginning. You're it. I just didn't expect it this way. Jesus said to him, I love this. Have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Wow. 
So, like, what do we do with that? So we read this, we read it, it's Easter, you know. What do we do with that? How do we stop locking ourselves in rooms, in countries, locking all the doors all the way around us so nobody can come in? Because we're afraid. We are the ones that know how to transform a world. Why are we locking ourselves in a room? Because that's how good Satan is. Boy, he'll be, I don't care if there's 50,000 of you locked in a room. I don't care. I'll take the rest of the world. I don't care if there's 100 million of you locked in a country. I'll take the whole rest of the world. I'll take them. But Jesus says, as I was sent, I'm sending you out. Not to sit here in this room. Because you're afraid of those people over there. So we read this. And so here's my question to the Lord in Jerusalem. I want to see you do this. I want to see you do this where we are in Jerusalem. Every day, Lord, confession. Lord, I'm not sure. I don't know if I really believe this on Monday morning in modern-day Jerusalem. Are you still like this? I'm having a hard time believing that. I confess. I'm telling you the truth. Show me the way. Show me the truth, and I'll walk in your way. Show me. And you know what he does? He does. And so we start moving into the West Bank. There's different people groups in there. To, to, um, if you're going to have an actual people movement in there, you have to win the refugee community, which is one group of Palestinians. You have to win the non-refugee community, which is a whole different group of Palestinians. The, you have the Israeli Arab Muslim population. They're all different. There's no one, let, what do we say to these people? They're all different, all different. They don't like each other. They don't trust each other. It's complicated. So we go and, Lord, Lord, how do we do this? He says, find the men and women of peace. Just like he told the disciples. Go find them. They're there. God's at work there. Find where he's working and work there. Do what you see the Father doing. This is what Jesus says, just like I did it. Go find where he's working. So first you have to believe he's actually working in the places in the world where you don't think he is. And we can all say where those places are. Because if he was working there, it would look different. Would it? Would it? Is that, is, that what you, is that your expectation of him? That's how we miss him. We're always telling him what he's supposed to look like and do, and he walks right by us, and we don't even see him. So we're looking around, and we start meeting these Muslims. And we start working with them. Again, I don't have time to explain exactly how we do this, but it's a lot of prayer. It's a lot of sitting with them and talking with them. Um, demonstrating to them our authenticity in our belief in this. It's not no clever arguments, as Paul warned us, but it's power. It's, it's this coming out of you. It's the Spirit of the living God coming out of you. And people in the room are going, what is that? That's what people would say to us, officials. They would say, what is that? What, what is that feeling in the room? This is how they, they look at it. Like, Do you feel that? Yes. What is that? What does it feel like? It's like, a, I don't know, it's like a wind or a breeze or something. What is that? It's heat. It feels like heat. What is that? Those are, that's the Holy Spirit. That's how he's described. If you believe this stuff, I don't know if you do or not. But they're like, what is that? And here's the funny thing. What if you don't know what it is? I don't know. I never experienced that before. What were you doing? I was locked in my hotel room. <laughs> Having a quiet time. I didn't want to come out. It's dangerous out here, you know. <laughs> Listen to a podcast. So, um, so we start doing this. And so in just one section, I would love to tell the whole, all how this works. It's in, the, in this one section of this refugee community, we identify, we discover, however you want to say it, two guys, two young men, 20s, in their 20s. Best friends their whole life. Um, one of them is a Muslim. One of them is a Christian background. Neither of them believe in Jesus as their Savior. Neither. The Christian guy, just because, you know, he's a Christian. He's born in a Christian family, grew up Christian. He doesn't know anything about the Bible. He's just, that's his tribe. And the other guy's Muslim. The Muslim guy comes to faith first. Like, okay, wait, what happened? That's wrong. The Muslim guy 
comes to faith in Christ very powerfully. He's very outspoken about it. And so he starts, he starts telling his Christian friend, do you understand Jesus? And his Christian friend is, are you, are you telling me about Jesus? Yes. Do you understand Jesus? What do you know about Jesus? Do you believe that Jesus is God? The Muslim guy says this to the Christian guy. The Christian guy, I don't even know what that means. Like, and we're watching like, this is wrong. This is, how is this happening this way? This is not right. So, you know, we spend time trying to correct God on this one. It's like, this is backwards. I would be like, if I told the other people, like they would, I'm not believing any of that till I see it myself. I would be just like these guys. So the Muslim guy, the Muslim background guy, gives his life to Christ. He is explaining to his friend about the divinity of Jesus and God. We're discipling him. And, he, and he's saying to the Christian background guy, you need to experience Christ himself. That's what you need. And the Christian guy's like, what does that mean? And so the Muslim guy says, well, you know, I, part of his coming to faith was he had a vision of Jesus. Well, we were meeting, discipling him one night in his house. I challenged him on some stuff. He was reading the Bible. And he was, I said to him, find out how the guys in Scripture know their identity with God. Find out how they do it. So he's reading the Bible. How did Moses know what he was supposed to do with his life? He met God. How did Gideon know who, what he was supposed to do? He met an angel of the Lord. And I said, when you read those stories, figure out how you would know what you're supposed to do with your life and call me. Don't call me until you figure it out. He calls me because I figured it out. What? I have to have an experience with God himself. Right. When you have, now start asking for that experience. And when you have it, call me. Don't call me until you have it. This is how good we are at this stuff. <laughs> That's why I'm never asked to speak on missions. So <laughs> and so he has, he has this vision of, of Jesus challenging him to be a leader among his people, to lead his people into faith in Jesus as their savior. He calls me. I go meet with him. Yeah, I go meet with him. Ah, I don't have time to tell that story. Anyway, I meet with him because I want to talk about this guy. So he's telling the Christian background guy, just a nominal Christian guy, about this vision and all this, and he's saying to them, you need to get with God and have this kind of experience. And so the Christian guy is troubled by it because he he he, he's like, how is my best friend so... Am and the, my best friend is so amazing. And then this guy has... Ten Muslim young men that he's leading in Bible studies in the refugee camp. This guy. Yeah. And then so they start this wave, we call it. And so the Christian guy's like, I want to do this. I want to do this. But Ed pray this before we started. It's like, with God, nothing's impossible. Without God, you can't do anything. What kind of clever tactic are you going to have to come in there and counter a militant Islamic ideology? Jesus, risen, him, the spirit of the living God, that. Not clever strategy. So, so this guy, the Christian guy, we're, we're together one day studying the Bible, these guys, and the other guy, his friend says, look, we don't want to wait for you. We're going to move on. We're going to win this place. Either you can come with us and do it or not. But you need to get alone with the Lord and find out what your role in this is and come tell us. I'm like, okay, so I'm just, we're just sitting back like, <laughs> if I said this in my discovery group, it would be over. That would be the end of the group. So, so the Christian guy, he's troubled by it. So he gets alone and he prays and he says, God, if you're real like this, if Jesus is the living Christ like he's talking about and like we're seeing in the scriptures, how do I know? How do I see your hands and your... How do I know this? And he feels, he gets this sense inside of himself of something that he feels like God's asking him to do. So he comes to us and he says, okay, I think I know, I think I know what I'm supposed to do. What? He says, I think I'm supposed to go into the Church of the Holy Sepulchre in the Old City. And I, think I'm I feel like I'm supposed to go there and kneel at the place where, for in his tradition, Jesus was crucified. Kneel there and call out to Christ. I think that's what I'm supposed to do. We're like, okay. Here's the problem. His family, his tribe, has never been allowed to cross the border out of the West Bank into Jerusalem, ever in there his whole life. He's not allowed. If he crosses that border, he goes to prison. So he tells us that too. I'm like, oh, that's an interesting twist in the story. 
Like you're not allowed to go there? No, I'll be arrested immediately. We're not allowed to go into Jerusalem. His tribe, for I don't know what, for what reason, it was some political thing from a long time ago, but as soon as they see that name, he's like not allowed out of his town. Would, think about this. In the Bible, is there ever a person in the Bible where God comes to them and tells them to do something that's absolutely impossible to pull off? Anywhere? It's the whole Bible. It's like, it's, that's how you know it's him. It's like, that is the craziest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, okay. So, so we don't know what to say. You know, this is the problem. I don't know if I believe this stuff sometimes. I have to confess. Lord, did you tell him to go in a place he's not allowed to go? Like where he could get hurt by going there? This is the Jesus that went to the cross. I'm asking this question too. Isn't it supposed to be kind of safe and protected with you? And so we pray with together, and we want to make sure he's, he's, he's right. We're looking in the scriptures, but now he knows. No, I've got to go there. But cannot break the law. We're not, we're not breaking the law. That's not, we know that that's not. So if it happens, it has to be like nobody's hiding, upright, walking with Jesus all the way from the West Bank, all the way into the old city, into the Church of Holy Sepulchre, breaking no laws, and somehow you're able to get there. Good luck. We'll be praying for you. We aren't, we're not going with you. Good luck. We're not nuts. We're not crazy. We're... And so he decides he's going to do it. And so he said, okay, Lord, if this is what you want, I will, I will do it. If I end up in prison, then I will go. <laughs> The Lord's like, oh, oh boy. Oh. So he gets on a bus. If you know the West Bank, he goes from his town, and he goes to Ramallah, which is kind of like Jonah. Like, he, like Jonah saying, I'll go, and gets in a boat and goes this way. This is how, where the bus went the opposite direction. So he did get on a bus. That was a good step, but it went like this. It's like, okay, all right. And I just feel like the Lord's like, okay, at least you got on a bus. Okay, how about one that's going the right way this time? Let's do that. He gets to Ramallah, you know, the capital of the West Bank. He gets off the bus, and he's really agitated. He's walking around. He's like, okay, Lord, I want to do this. I want to do this. I feel like this is you, but, you know, I'm afraid. He's walking. And all of a sudden, this person calls out his name. And he looks, and it's an Israeli guy that he knows from way back somewhere who's an IDF guy, soldier. And he calls his name, and he says, and, and the Arab guy is like, what are you doing in Ramallah? And, and the Israeli says, I don't know exactly. I just felt like I should come here today. The Israeli's not a believer, but he was, got up in the morning, he just had this urge to go to Ramallah. An IDF soldier, like, really? And so the Arab guy's like, oh, no, <laughs> this is going to happen. And so the, the IDF guy says to, to, says to the Arab, what are you doing here? Now, here comes the test. Do I tell the truth? So I was like, okay. I, I'm in a Bible study, and the guys in my Bible, he doesn't say Muslim. The guys in my Bible study, you know, we're really seeking after Jesus, and I have been praying, and I feel like, the Lord wants me to meet with him in the Church of the Holy Sepulcher. How, and the guy goes, is Jesus talking to you? And he's like, yes, you know, yes. Someone, the Holy Spirit, something. And, and the Israeli guy's like, wow, okay. And he said, but I, you know, I'm not allowed in. I can't go in. And the soldier says, I can get you past the first checkpoint legally. And the Arab guy's like, shh, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> and so he goes, get in my car, let's go, I'll take you, as far as I can take you. Now, I want you to think about something. Who is the Arab guy's enemy? Israel. Who did God send to help him find Jesus? His enemy. Isn't that interesting? Wow, why is God doing that? Because he wants to transform this Arab guy in every way. Not love, you know what? Well, so he gets in the car with this guy, drive to the checkpoint. The other soldiers come up. They're talking to this, this guy, the soldier. He's like, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. They never even say anything about the Arab guy. 
And so they're just talking, hey, what are you doing? I'm going to drive. Yeah, okay, whatever. Drive. So for the first time, this Arab guy is actually in Israel. He's never been there before. And he's, you know, his family's grown up in his town forever. He can stand on a hill and look into Jerusalem, but he's never been there. And he never would ever go in his life. Suddenly he's in there being taken by an Israeli soldier who's his friend who came and found him in Ramallah but doesn't believe in God. And so the Israeli guy drives him all the way into Jerusalem and up he says, you know, if you want to go into the old city, I can't go with you. I'm not, I can't walk in there with you, but I'll take you up to the Arab quarter and drop you off. And so he drives him up there. He gets out of the car with him. They walk, if you know the old city, they're at the Damascus Gate, the Arab Gate. And he walks him down the steps, and, it, 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 and it, the Arab guy, when he was telling this story, he told it in front of a, he gave his testimony in front of a group of Muslims about this. It was great. And he said he felt like he, he was in uh, Lord of the Rings or something because the Israeli guy goes, I can go no further with you now. You know, it's like, <laughs> good luck. Here's provisions. Good luck on the quest. I must end here. You know, it's like... And, and so the Arab guy's just standing there and he's like, you know, I hope it works out for you. And he gets in his car and drives away. And so he's just standing there outside the Damascus Gate. The reason the Israeli soldier took him to the Damascus Gate because it's the Arab quarter. It makes more sense that he would walk through there. And typically there's not a lot of presence of soldiers there. Except this day, of course. The Arab guy turns around and <laughs> coming towards him from the gate for Israeli soldiers. IDing every single person that they're come over here, you know, ID and they're doing their job. They're doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing. They're good guys. And he, the Arab guys just stand there going, okay, if they ask me for my ID, I'm going to give it to them and I'm going to jail because they'll check it and I'm going to jail. And so what, what does he pray there? He thinks he's in Lord of the Rings, so this is what he does. <laughs> he does. He goes, God, I would love to be invisible right now. <laughs> make me invisible, make me invisible, make me invisible. <laughs> like this. And, but he, he doesn't want to close his eyes because they'll definitely come. And he can't run. You know, all of that would just draw attention. So he's just standing right there. And they come straight to him and they just walk around him and go right past him. They don't even say a word to him. He goes, he's afraid to move. If I move, do I become visible again? What do I do? Like, he's like this. And they just walk right past him. And, and so he just starts walking. He goes into the old city. He doesn't know where the Church of the Holy Sepulcher is. He doesn't speak Hebrew. He only speaks Arabic and some English. And so he can't ask, he can't ask like the tourist police because he'll speak Arabic. It'll cause a, they'll, they'll, you know, because they don't want to speak Arabic, they'll speak Hebrew to him and it'll cause a big deal. So he does, he's afraid to ask. So he's wandering around in the old city, and he finally, then the sun's going down, and he finally gets to, the, to the, where the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, the courtyard. And he wanders in, and there he is. He's in it. He's in the courtyard. And he gets emotional. And he's standing there. He's like, I'm here. I didn't break any laws. I, I, I've either been invisible or helped by Israelis. Something is happening, and I'm here I am. The problem was, while he's standing there, the priest comes out to lock the door. It's too late. It's closed because sun, sun, the sun is setting. But he thinks, this is an Arab priest. This is my team. I'll just go tell him what's happening because the enemies have been helping me. Here's my friend. Here's my team, an Arabic priest. He runs down and goes, you don't, in, in Arabic, he says, don't lock, don't lock the door. Let, I got to go in. The priest says, you're not going in there. Why? It's closed, and I'm going home, and I'm not letting you in there. And, and the Arab guy, he gets him, he's young, you know, he's 25. He, he gets emotional. He goes, you don't understand the journey I'm on with God. You, you should understand God has told me I need to be in there. I need to meet Jesus in there. And this is the place he asked me to come to meet with him. And, and I know it's not about the place, but it's about God. But I need to be in there. Do you understand that? And the priest says, get out of my face. You're not going in there. And he slams the door and he's locking it from the outside. And so the Arab young guy just starts yelling, no, I have to go in. No, I have to go in. And so this policeman hears him. This Israeli policeman, city policeman. So he comes walking in. And he walks up to him. He's like, what is the problem here? Here's the weird thing. 
He's speaking Hebrew. The Arab guy doesn't speak Hebrew. The priest can. But the whole time, the Arab guy can understand the whole conversation. He doesn't even think about it. He thinks the guy's speaking English or Arabic. But he's like, no, he's not, he can't be speaking Arabic. It must be English. So the, the policeman says, what's the problem? The priest says, this guy wants to come in. It's closed. We're very strict about our rules. You know, these priests. And uh, we can't break the rules just because Jesus shows up somewhere. We, you know, what is, we're priests. Um, this is about religion. It's not about relationship with God and all that stuff. And rules. Just like Judas. This is a guy, this is a guy Judas would have confessed to and they would have thrown the money in his face. That's what happened when you confess to religion. And so, so the policeman says, says to the Arab young guy, and now he's positive he's going to get ID'd because he's, he's harassing this priest. And so the policeman says, what do you want? What, do you, why are you, what are you doing? And he's like, oh my gosh, do I tell this guy? And he goes, okay. Because this is the real enemy here. Now he's talking to a policeman in the city and he knows once he opens his mouth, they're going to know he's from the West Bank. And so he says, yeah, you know, I'm in a Bible study. <laughs> just, I'm in a Bible study. And I, I feel like God wants to speak to me in a personal way. I feel like he wants me to be he, inside here to hear him talk about my identity. And I, I've come a long way to get here uh, through much toil. And, and I just want to go in and I just I need to go now. And the policeman says, says to the priest, let him in. Why can't he go in? And the priest says, well, because he's got to have an escort and I, got, I have to get home. And the Israeli policeman goes, I'll go with him. I've never been in here. I'll go in there with him. Is that good enough for you? He says, and Adam's like, friend, enemy. I've been wrong the whole time. Here's one reason Jesus says to love your enemy. Because they're not really your enemy. Who says they're your enemy? Who does? It's not this abstract, love your enemy. It's not like that. It's like, you don't know what's going on. Stop telling God what's going on. Stop telling Him who the bad guys are and confess that you don't know. And that you're afraid that they're the bad guys, so they're my enemy. And God is saying, they are not your enemy. Love them. Your enemy is Satan. And he's killing you through fear and guilt and shame. And so the policeman says, I'll take him in. Open the door. And the guy opens the door. And <laughs> the policeman goes, show me the way. I don't know my way around in here. And they're just like, I don't know my way around in here either. So... <laughs> And he says, well, let's just walk. We'll find it. Well, and they walk around. They're walking through. And, and they're having this conversation in some language that both of them get. And, and they find it. You know, they go up the stairs if you've ever been in that place. And, they, and they, the Arab guy recognizes where it is. And he just starts to weep there. He's just like crying his eyes out, not because of the place, it because of the journey. It's like it's, 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 he realizes the reality of the world that he's in and what God can do in it. It's unbelievable. He's like, we are invincible in the kingdom until God is done. Nobody can stop us. This government can't. These people can't. This hatred can't. And so he's crying, and the policeman puts his hand on his back. He goes, are you okay? Yeah. Yeah, he goes, where do you need to be? He said, I just need to kneel right here. He's like, go, I'll, I'll stand watch for you. And so in this surreal scene, here's this Arab guy kneeling at where the cross might have been with the Israeli policeman standing guard over him so he can hear Jesus speak to him. And, and so the Arab guy, he's weeping and he's saying, God, I am so wrong about everything. I, this is my friend. This guy is my friend. That friend is my enemy. Like, I don't even really know who's who. You do. And you're showing me the truth, and it's liberating me in every way. And he said, what do you call me? Like, what am I? Because he'd been reading about Gideon, and, he, and he's crying. He says, what do you call me? And he gets this overwhelming sense that God, that God is saying to him, you're my farmer. And, and this is, he goes, What? <laughs> That's what he's, it's so like the Bible. It's like, farmer? 
Like I came all this way, not like mighty knight or something. And the Israeli guy goes, what's the matter? He goes, well, because he was crying, he stops and he goes, what's the matter? He goes, well, I just feel like God calls me farmer. <laughs> the Israeli guy goes, really? Farmer? Yeah, I know. Hmm. And so, <laughs> and, and so the Arab guy looks back at the Lord, just like these guys in the Bible, and he looks back at the Lord and he goes, what exactly does that mean? And then he has this picture in his mind of a, of a field that's ready for harvest. And he knows it's Palestinian young men. And he knows it, and he is the farmer to bring them in. And he knows that his friend that's already come to faith is the one that breaks the ground, and that's their personalities. The Muslim guy is a hard charger. When he came to Christ, he goes out and goes, we're having a Bible study now! Because that's how he does it. His personality didn't change all that much. He's just redeemed. But, and so this guy, the, the Christian background guy, is, is really, he's, an, he's a really gifted, a really charismatic guy, really tenderhearted. And he realizes his relationship with this friend and how they're going to work among reaching Muslims for the kingdom and not just Muslim nominal Palestinian Christians and how they're going to work together. And he and his friend are a picture of a Muslim comes to Christ, a Christian who comes to Christ, and they love each other. And he sees the whole thing and he explains it to the policeman. He goes, you know what's happening over there? And the policeman said, that is the best thing I have ever heard about the future. And they, he walks the Arab guy all the way out of the city, escorts him out of the city, calls a taxi over. He goes, where are you going? And the Arab guy goes, I'll tell the driver when I get, when I get in the car. <laughs> I want to drive around a little bit. Process, process this. He gets in the car, he, he, the taxi driver's an Arab, he tells this guy what happened. He just starts sharing the kingdom everywhere he goes. Now, do you understand what those kinds of Arab young people can do in a world? They are the answer to the, everything that scares us that's out of control out there. They are the answer. How are they the answer? When they meet the king when they meet the real king and they realize they're willing to say what we're doing, our fighting, our hatred is wrong and we're losing. We're all losing. It just never ends. What is a better way? Confession and repentance. Confession. Confession and repentance is the oxygen in the kingdom of God. It's how you stay energized and don't quit after eight days and lock yourself back in a room. It's being able to look up to God and go, what is happening? And he starts to tell you what's happening just in your sphere. That's all. You just do what I tell you to do and I'll impact him and him and him and this wave will spread out like this. And when these disciples go into the upper room in Acts and they start to get hold of what that is, they come out of that room, not as little individuals with their little agendas, as a wave men and women together out like this and they hit an entire crowd of unbelievers and all of them, everyone in the crowd says, they are all speaking in ways that we understand what they're saying. It's exactly what the Israeli policeman said. When I asked the Arab guy, what language were you speaking? He said, I think it was some kind of kingdom language <laughs> that the priest didn't understand. <laughs> wow. Religion is not the answer, we know. The king, a relationship with the king is the answer. I'm going to pray. I want to get the band to come up here. I'm going to pray. It, I wanna, they're going to play a couple of songs. Here's what I want you to do. These cards are on, out there. Here's what I want. I want you to take this card. This is how I am. Like, I want to do something. I want to take some kind of action. This card is just, it's like a confession card. It's, and, and, you know, you can put your name and... Um, whatever you want on it, if you want to, but that doesn't matter. What I, what I want you to do is I want you to ask God. Ask him a question like, what am I most afraid of? A question like, why don't I think you really work in the world? Ask him to help you tell the truth about what that is. Where, where do I feel like it's just nothing's working in my life? Or is there any place in my heart where I just am wrong with you? Any, anything like that. 
Like David says, search me and know me, and you tell me what's going on in here. And stop telling him what's going on in here. Ask him, and just whatever he says to you, just write down. Just confess it. Just write it down, and then ask him, Lord, you tell me the truth, and repent with him. Confess, repent. Tell me the truth. If, if you don't know Christ, write it. I don't, I don't believe in Jesus. Just say it. I, that's what Thomas is doing. And let Jesus answer that. And just write it down while these guys are playing. And then I'm going to come back up here and I'm just going to pray with you. And then we have these baskets like right there. And there's, there's I think there's one in the back. Just to, don't, you don't have to put your name or anything on it. But this is an act before God and the heavenly realms. Just throw it in there. Just like, this is, what, this, this is where I am right now. I confess. I'm just going to finally tell the truth. And write it down. And then say, God, what do you want me to know about this? I, I want to see Jesus touch. I want to touch him. I want to have this kind of thing happen to me. I want to I be a believer that can tell other people, Jesus is real. He works. He works in the worst situations that you don't believe in. Like, I want to live that life. Write it down. And then, Lord, what do you want me to know about that as they're playing? And then when I come up here, we'll just pray over it. And when we're done, just throw them in these baskets. Just like throw it in there and be done. So I, I, let's pray. This, I, here's my card. There's something I've been wrestling with for two years. And the Lord, he, he called me out on it today. I knew it was coming. And, uh, and I, I grew up here, so it had to be here. It had to be back here. Um, he didn't want to do it anywhere else. And so I, I, I've been dreading it. So... Unfortunately, Ed and them invited me here. I was like, ah, okay. And so here's my, this is it. I mean, I'm, we're no different in this room. The question is, are we going to tell the truth or not? That's all the difference. And so this is mine. I'm going to throw in there. Um, so what I want to do, and then Mike can come up and close out. I just want to pray. Let me just pray. And if you haven't written something down, I, 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 believe me, it, no one's going to see it. Um, unless, unless you want to put your name on and everything and then we'll post it on the internet. But other than that, um, it's just anonymous, you know, unless you want, seriously, unless you want someone to contact you and we will. But I want, I want to pray with you in, in this way. So let's pray together. Father, we in this room, we in this room um, that know Christ, here's what we confess before all the heavenly realms, all of them, because who can hear us in this room is the whole spiritual world. Demonic, angelic, all, I'm, we're proclaiming together in front of them your glory. Because that's where the war is. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. And our armor is your armor. And so, Lord, give us wisdom in all our different vocations and professions in this world that's broken and violent and everything that we do in, in every field. Lord, we confess that we believe that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. We believe that Jesus walked this earth that, that, and that, that he was arrested and he was crucified. He was murdered by this world, by us. And that he, was, that he died and that he was buried. And in that place, in that grave, he went into death without fear. Into the depths of the darkest fears we have in death. And he didn't just rise from the dead. He broke forth from death with the power of God. The stone didn't roll away. It, 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 was, it was blasted away. Death cannot hold him. Death did not hold him. And he conquered death and all the demonic. And this is our king. And he walked around for 40 days after that talking about the kingdom of God. And then he ascended and sits at the right hand of God in glory. And there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. But at the name of Jesus, every single knee, everyone we're ever afraid of in this world, every terror group, every, everyone that we're afraid of, all of us will bow. We will bow. All the demonic, everyone will bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Why not now? Why not right now? What We want to win now, Lord. We want to move into victory now in this world, in our professions. We want to be people who see the world transformed through, through our vocations, 
through the military, through, through the government, through private business. Lord, we are people of the king doing what we do in this world, but different than the world does it. And we can't do it because we won't tell the truth that we're afraid, that we don't believe because we just don't believe. But Lord, lead us. Come to us. You say that you're a high priest that's tempted in every way just as we are yet without sin and that you open the way to the throne of grace boldly in time of need. Come all you who are heavy laden and I will give you rest. And I will give you rest for your soul. There's no other way to win in this thing apart from you, the king, in confession and repentance. So Lord, anyone in this room, anyone in this room Lord, would you just bring your truth to us and Lord, let us just speak the truth and be free. Let us just stop fighting this thing and losing all the time and Lord, let us walk with you, move with you and you be our king and we will be your people and we will dwell with God, with us, Emmanuel. Father, I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Just write that down. Throw it in the... I'm just throwing this in the face of the enemy. Two years I've been afraid of this thing. And God's like, enough, enough. Throw it in there. Thank you.